Good morning, and welcome back to Word Here and There. I am Carolyn. For today's inspiration, Powerful God, Ah, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. What would it take for you to stop trying to control your own life and just let God have it? What would it take for you to trust Him? God made everything there is, from a delicate flower to a powerful volcano. He made the ant and the humpback whale. God made seasons, thunderstorms, sunsets, and you. He gave you a mind and heart. He gave you free will and conscience. He knows all about you and how complicated your thoughts are and what your decision-making process is like. He knows it all, and he loves you. Our story today is Willed. My memory of those nights I spent with my great-grandmother are still vivid. My nose tingles when I recall the scent of the Bengay that she rubbed into her arthritic joints. I can see her hobbling on her bowed legs toward the bed, hear the groaning as she crawled beneath the covers, and watched her knobby fingers smooth the blankets and tucking us in. In my mind, I hear her saying, in that tone that suggested she had discovered a great secret, let's hold hands until we fall asleep, kids. And once again, my hand is cradled within her palm. But most of all, I remember her telling me stories, kissing me gently, and whispering just before I dozed off, Good night, darling. I remember it all, because I have nothing else to remind me of her. While my friends proudly display treasures left to them by their grandmothers, precious china, antique silver, heirloom jewelry, all that I have to grandma is a terrarium I've given her that I made in brownies from a baby food jar and dried flowers. All I wanted was a memento of hers that I could cherish, but Grandma was not a china and jewelry kind of life. Born February 8, 1896, in Pittsburgh, and christened Cornelia Short, she, at age 20, married my great-grandfather and acquired the awkward appellation of Cornelia Lettergerber. We all called her Grandma Letter. Widowed, widowed at 63, she moved in with her daughter, my maternal grandmother, and devoted herself to caring for her family. During this last phase of her life was when I came to know and love her. Grandma Letter's hair was short, gray, and frizzy from too many Tony home permanents. Early in life, she had been heavy, but by the time I was born, her fat had melted, rendered her a five-foot, two-inch woman of the tussless grizzle. Her face was round and her nose prominent, but her large, penetrating, dark brown eyes are what I remember most. With time, her hair in shape changed, but her eyes never did. Whenever anyone was sick, needed a babysitter, or could just use an extra hand around the house, Grandma appeared on the doorstep. She was a migrant Mary Poppins, a domestic dynamo, a whirlwind of wiping, washing, and waxing. 
Hard work did not intimidate Grandma. She knew nothing else. Though many nights spent with her, I learned that her father had died when she was three and that her earliest memories was of being small and standing on a chair to iron with irons so heavy she could barely lift them. She worked all her life at menial jobs. During the Depression, she took on confinement cases, and for a dollar a day, she moved into an expectant mother's home, kept house, cared for the children, and assisted with the baby's delivery. Well, into her 70s, she helped to nurse an invalid woman. Grandma did the dirty work. Neighbors summoned her to close the eyes and pop in the dentures of their dead. They called Grandma because death didn't intimidate her, either, probably because she'd seen so much of it. The saddest bedtime story she ever told me was about something that had happened to her when she was 36. On a hot August day, while laughing and enjoying herself at a picnic, she heard a man calling her name on a bullhorn as he walked through the park. The man shattered the afternoon serenity in Grandma's heart had been paging her so that he could take her to the morgue to identify her mother's body. While stepping off a streetcar on Pittsburgh, Northside, her mother was hit by a drunken driver and thrown under a passing trolley. Grandma never cried when she related the story. She told it straight out, evenly and slowly, and afterwards she always let out a long, deep sigh and said, Oh, kid, it's a great life if you don't weaken. Then she squeezed my hand tightly like she was trying to hold on to me forever. While we cuddled under the covers, she told me many other stories. I felt the anguish a mother feels when her only son is declared missing in action for a few days after D-Day. I felt the sorrow a wife feels watched as throat cancer robs her beloved husband of speech and ultimately of life. I felt the despair of the depression, what it was like to lose your home and to survive on the rotted produce that a kind-hearted neighbor scrounged for you at his market. Grandma also told me adventure tales, how a child she traveled to Steamboat Springs, Colorado by covered wagon, and she told me funny stories. The bed shook with laughter when she recounted the time my great-grandfather polished his white shoes with zinc ointment by mistake, before going to a local amusement park. We roared, picturing Grandpa strolling down the midway with all the wrappers and leaves sticking to his feet. She told me many other stories, some of my grandmother, of my mother, and of me. The best one she told me again and again. In 1975, when I was 15, she suffered a massive stroke. After a lengthy hospital stay, my grandmother bought Grandma Ledger home to die. On a hot August day, while visiting at Grandmother's house, my mother, who was helping to care for her, asked if I wanted to go in and visit with Grandma. I eagerly said yes, but my young, innocent eyes were not prepared for the sight. I'd never looked into the face of death before. Grandma, paralyzed, I wasted to a thin layer of skin clinging to bone. I barely recognized her, except for those brown eyes. The doctor said she couldn't hear and didn't know us, but they were wrong. In her eyes, I saw everything she was, and they spoke to me. Taking her hand, as I had done many times, 
and we lay together in that bed. I tried to be cheerful and positive, but I felt her eyes willing me to leave the room, begging me not to remember her this way. I left. I never saw her alive again. A few years ago, my life took a stressful turn, and curiously, I found Grandma and her stories frequently occupying my mind. I realized then that although Grandma had not left me any tangible keepsake, she had left me a treasury of stories and wealth of memories. By turning her soul inside out to me during those nights in bed, she she bequeathed me the greatest gift, her strength, her perseverance, her courage to face life head on. Her legacy gave me the will I'd lacked. If Grandma could survive the difficulties of her life, then I knew I could too. Often at bedtime now, my daughter will ask that I lie with her for a while. So I slide beside her under the covers and whispers, let's hold hands until we fall asleep. Then, as I hold her sweet young hand, I tell her stories. Some are Grandma Ledger's and some are mine. We sigh and giggle, and occasionally a tear falls. Then just as my child's eyelids begin to droop and her breathing becomes soft and rhythmic, I lean over and press my lips against her cool, satiny cheek, and I swear I hear a voice in the darkness whispering with me, Good night, darling. This is Carolyn, with word, here and there. Take care of yourself, and have a blessed day.